song says one word, one word from you, things change. I wonder if today, if you need one thing changed in your life, that only one word that he can speak would just speak and change that. Come on, somebody, just yield to him today in this, in this service. Yield to him in this worship time, because one word can change that. One word from him alone. Oh 
Father, we thank you for your word today and that one word from you, dear Lord, can change everything. We honor your word today. We exalt the name of Jesus. We lift him high today. We welcome the presence of the Holy Spirit into our midst today. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. So good to see you all today. Welcome to the house of the Lord. Welcome to all of you who are joining online who may be sick today or traveling or having to work. Welcome to you as well. So good to see you all in the house of the Lord. Just wanted to remind you, if you have your count me in cards with you today, to please turn them in at the guest services desk or feel free to drop them in the offering boxes as you exit today if you haven't already done so. If you were not here at the meeting Wednesday night, the Count Me In meeting, due to work schedule or sickness or being out of town, please stop by the guest services desk, pick up an information sheet and a Count Me In card as we sign up for all of the different ministries that we'll be volunteering for from March to March of this coming church year. We do ask that all of the cards be turned in by next Sunday. Uh, we're trying to get the new schedules prepared for March, and so please take the time to fill them out and drop them off today if you have them. If not, by next Sunday, if you have any questions about Count Me In, be sure to see a staff member, and we would love to help you out with that. Wanted to remind the youth that you will have youth service in the youth building from 5 to 7 this evening. So invite friends and come and be a part of youth service. And then wanted to remind the youth girls that you will have your annual Be Girly event this Friday night, 7 to 9 p.m. in the youth building. I know the girls always look forward to that, already are inviting friends. And so it's going to be a fun night, Youth Girls Friday night. Don't miss out on it. Looking forward to that. And our missions offering focus today. We're going to give toward the upcoming Gospel Crusade in Mexico City that's going to be led by Franklin Graham Ministries. Uh, 41 years ago, Reverend Billy Graham led a crusade in Mexico City where many, many people were won to the Lord. And Franklin Graham, it said that the Lord had put on his heart several years ago to hold a gospel event in Mexico City. It was delayed for a while because it was planned during COVID and they had to wait for the restrictions to be eased. But it's going to be this month. And so we just want to sow into that as the word of God is presented. We sang today that the word is what changes. As Pastor Kevin's going to preach, change by the power of the word today. It's the word that changes us and sets us free. And we want to partner with Franklin Graham as we present the word of God to those people in Mexico and pray for salvation of souls. And we are thankful for those like Franklin Graham that are still bold enough to speak the truth and this culture that we live in today where we know there's going to be backlash and things that come against us, we want to always stand for the truth of God's word. So ushers, you come forward today as we sow into the international gospel crusade, bringing the word to the people of Mexico City. Let's stand, bring your offering forward and greet one another this morning. 
good morning, everyone. The sunshine is back on a Sunday morning. Anyone happy about that? Last week was quite a, quite a challenge. Good to see you on this wonderful Lord's Day. You know, this is the day the Lord has made, and we are commanded to rejoice and be glad in it. You know, sometime in the New Testament, I, I'm assuming because I don't know everything, I'm not a theologian, and I'm not the Spirit of God, but we started worshiping the Lord on the, on the Sunday, the first day, I guess because Jesus was resurrected. But I want you to understand, it's still the Sabbath. It's the Lord's Day. We don't do what we want to do on the Lord's Day. We come and we worship and we present ourselves. We worship God. We love God. We try to hear from God because it is only God that's going to get us through. Amen? And so I am glad to be here on the Lord's Day. As Pastor Lisa said, we're going to talk about changed. This is part five of our series by the power of the Word of God. Last week, we talked about being changed by faith, being changed by our genuine faith in God. I want to ask you a question as we begin today. How do we get faith? I mean, when I first got saved, I thought faith was something you just kind of conjure up. You kind of, you know, try to just, just say, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I try. I want to believe, I want to believe God more. I want to believe, oh, for grace to trust Him more. And I've learned in my life that you cannot work up faith. That faith, Romans 10, 17, so then faith cometh, King James, so then faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God, you acquire faith. Faith is deposited into your spirit by hearing what God says about your life and your situation. So we need the Word of God. Let me say this. There's a lot of us in the room that have a little revelation about the power of the Word of God. There may be many in this room today who have no revelation on the power of God but I can say this truly, all of us need more revelation and understanding about the power of the Word of God. Can I get an amen before we pray? So, Father, today we come before you today and we want to grow, we want to learn, we want to know something today that will help us, Father. Reveal yourself to us today. Guide us into all truth by the power of of your spirit. We want to learn to trust in you more and to grow in our faith. And we thank you for all that you're going to do today. And all God's people said, amen. So when I think about the word of God and teaching on it, two places come to my mind immediately. The first one is 2 Timothy chapter 3. As Paul is writing to the young pastor, Timothy, and he says, Timothy, you have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood. I want to say this even in the, in the onset here, mommies and daddies, there's nothing greater than you can do for your child than to teach them the Word of God, to, to instill in them the Word of God and hide it away in their heart. You've been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they, that revelation of the word, have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. It was the word that gave you understanding and brought you into faith in Christ Jesus. And here's the, here's the word. 
Here's the watershed doctrine, all Scripture. All Scripture is inspired by God. In the Greek, that means God breathed. All Scripture is God breathed and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. I love the NLT here. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. And God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work, to bring God glory. The other scriptures in Hebrews 4, and you know these words, you've heard them before, for the word of God is living, and it's what? It's powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And is two-edged sword piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It digs down deep, strips away down to where you are really located and begins to speak to you what is right and what is true. And there is no creature hidden from, notice this, his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. So I remember as a young man reading through Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper, and then it switches to, and there is nothing hidden from his sight. And so I asked myself the question, are we talking about the Bible? Are we talking about the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? And the answer is, yes, we are talking about the Bible and we are talking about the Godhead. It's very interesting in 1 John 5. You know, what is Jesus' name? Well, Jesus' name is Emmanuel. You know, it's the Son of God and whatever else it refers, the Bible refers to Jesus as. But you know what the Bible says in in 1 John 5? For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father. Look at that. The Word and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. We see it other places in Revelation when we see the glorified Messiah coming down to set up his kingdom upon the earth. We read these words. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Now, why is the Bible called the Word of God and Jesus called the Word of God. Put this up on the screen. It's because they are both an expression of God the Father. They are both expressions of who God is and make known to us His will and His ways. They are both a manifestation of the invisible God, the invisible made visible, the kingdom of God brought into our physical reality. John said in 1 John, we saw him with our own eyes. We touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. He was with the Father, and then he was revealed to us. In John 14, we see Philip saying, Jesus, show us the Father, and it'll be sufficient for us. Show us the Father. It's all we really need. And Jesus said, Philip, how long have I been with you? How do you not know this by now? He that has seen me 
has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Bear with me during this part right here because it's theological, but it is so vital. Listen to me very carefully. When you have seen your Bible, you have seen the Father. When you have seen your Bible, you have seen the Father. There's no other book like it. It's a miracle that you hold in your hand. And just like they could say, hey, when you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father because he was an expression of the Father. When you see and hold in your hand your Bible, you have seen the Father. Can I get one witness today? You have seen the Father. Now listen very carefully. Without the Holy Spirit revealing Jesus to the person... To that person, he was just like an ordinary man with no power to save, heal, and deliver. Without the Holy Spirit revealing the Bible to the person, to that person, the Bible is just an ordinary book, a religious relic with no power to save, heal, and deliver. There's this remarkable story in Mark chapter 6. When Jesus was wanting to go to his own hometown, he has began his earthly ministry. The Spirit of God has come upon him. He's going about doing good, healing all who are oppressed of the devil. And God is using him and the kingdom of God is coming. And he is wanting so bad to go back to his hometown to bring the kingdom of God and see the glory of God manifested in in their midst. And old blind Louie, I can't wait to go and see his eyes open. And sinner Sally coming to saving knowledge. I can't wait to see old lame Louie walking again. I can't wait to go home and just bring the kingdom of God to the people that I love the most and know about the most. But then we see this verse in Mark 6, 5. It says, now... He, being Jesus, could do no. Jesus, these these words don't belong to Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, and all of his power and his glory. Jesus could do no. Doesn't seem right. Doesn't seem fitting, but nevertheless... Now, he could do no mighty work there except that he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. He was severely limited. And what God really wanted to do, what Jesus really wanted to see happen, did not happen. Why? Because a couple verses earlier, we see the reason in verse 3. And they scoffed and they said, he's just a carpenter. He's just a carpenter. We know him. He's the son of Mary and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon. His sisters are living right here among us and they were deeply offended and they just couldn't get past. And they refused to believe. He was just a carpenter. And so he could do no mighty work. He could fix their broken chair, 
but he couldn't fix their broken lives because of their unbelief. I see the rich young ruler, and you know the story, and how Jesus walking, and he's doing some amazing things, and this this young man, the Bible calls him rich, young, and a ruler, and he's dressed in garbs that don't befit the crowd, and he is coming, and he's falling at the feet of Jesus, and he says, teacher, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus begins to bring the commandments to him. Thou shalt not, and thou shalt, and the commandments he begins to give this young man. And the young man in great pride says, well, you know what? I've done all of that since I was a child. And I want you to look at it with me, what Jesus says next. And Jesus looked at him and loved him. Jesus looking at him, loved him. Then Jesus looking at him, loved him. Did he want to give him a hard time? Did he want to reject him? Did he want to put condemnation on his life? No, he loved him. He wanted to see the kingdom of God manifested in his life. And he said to him, there's one thing you like. There's one thing you like. There's one commandment that you think you're obeying, but you're not. And that is, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall have no idols in your life. There should be nothing in your life that is more important that you have greater allegiance for than me. And that's your money. And I'm going to test you here. I'm going to expose your heart so that you can see where you're at. Go your way. Sell whatever you have and give it to the poor, take up your cross, follow me. But he was sad at this word, and he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. I want you to understand what's occurring here. It happens in our hearts. It happens every day. It'll happen in countless church houses across this land today. Because he chose not to place himself under the authority of the Word of God, the power of the Word was not released into his life to save him and to change his life forever. It is when we submit to the authority of God's Word and we believe that This word is not just red or black letters on a page, but it is the word of God. It is just not a carpenter. It's not just a book. This is the word of life. It's living and powerful, and it's God's word to my life. And if I'm not under the authority of that word, the word can do no mighty work in our lives. It has to leave us kingdomless, if you will. And we don't experience God's blessing in our life. I want to say this today. It is vital, especially in the day that we're living in, it is vital that all of us be under the authority of God's Word. I want to say it again. It is vital that all of us be under the authority of God's Word. It's how you get saved. It's how we know that we are truly saved. And it's how you will be changed. It's how God will change you and sanctify you for the rest of your life. He changes you by renewing your mind, by teaching you the Word of God. Amen or not? I want to put this phrase on the screen. Your total obedience to the Word of God is the greatest evidence 
of your being a child of God. Leave that up just for a moment. moment. Your total obedience to the word of God is the greatest evidence of your being a child of God. First John 2, leave it up there. No, we need to see First John 2. First John 2 says, now by this we know. Let me say this before we read that. If I was to say, hey, what's the greatest, you know, sign, evidence that we're a child of God? Most of us would say love. Most of us would say love. And we're not wrong by saying that, but it's not the greatest. Let me tell you why. Because there's a lot of people out there who do love. I'm going to be honest with you. People that don't go to church, atheists, people that don't follow Jesus, they're not a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, and they're, they're selling everything, and they're moving to lands to go and help and minister those people who have, you know, experienced injustice, feed the starving. There was a guy, we're outside in the park. We always eat in the car at the, you know, at the little uh, establishments there in Hammond. We'll just eat in the car, Pastor Lisa and I, and, and we were there, and she went and grabbed, I think it was a cup of coffee that day, and and uh, she came across this guy that we know. I grew up with him, played baseball with him, and I knew him way back. And he is just so friendly. I'm going to be honest. He is just so over-the-top friendly. And so when she got in the car, hey, that's so-and-so. And he was getting in his car, and he waved, and I waved at him. And I'm going to be honest with you. He's one of the nicest men that I know, but he's not a believer. He's not a follower of Jesus he owns a little business, and he, he'll help me. He'll watch out for me. He'll give me good advice. He'll, he's an amazing guy. And if we just talk about love, we might get confused on who are true believers in today's society because there's a lot of people that's nice. There's a lot of people that love, but there's not a lot of pe- people who are under the authority of God's word. And so let me, let me give you the scripture. Matthew, or 1 John 2 says, Now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. Now, let me say this. The rich young ruler had nine out of 10 right. When I was in school, you know, a nine out of 10, sometimes on some scales, it's a B and sometimes it's an A. But in the kingdom of God, a nine out of 10 is a failing grade. You fail. Now, I'm not talking about a perfection in your actions. We'd all be in trouble, right? What we're talking about is a perfection of your will. And there is nothing in my life that I am not willing to do in order to seek to obey God. My will is perfect, though my outward walking things out is not and so, in today's society, we, we, we know some tenth things, if you will, those one things that we lack. And honestly, as, as pastors, we're not dumb. We know what some of those tenth things are. And to be honest with you, <laughs> if God will let you, you try to stay away from them. But as a pastor and a representative, representative of the truth and as an ambassador of Christ, I don't, have, I don't have the freedom to stay away from things that may cause trouble or cause people to just whatever. 
One of those things is money. Here it is in rich, the rich young ruler, it's money. And you know, when you look at God's word and you see disturbing situations here and there throughout and the stories that, were, that are recorded, it's amazing how many times money's at the root of it. Judas Iscariot, money. Ananias and Sapphira, <clears throat> money. Achan, money, money. You know, it's like you can talk about a lot of things in church today, but when you talk about money, because he's, Jesus, he doesn't stray away or shy away from the tent. If you've got the nine straight, he wants to point out the ten, tenth thing in your life that you need to repent of and get right in your life. Now, I want to ask you the question today as we are talking about some of these things and getting the 10 out of 10 as far as our will is concerned, right? Are you conducting your financial life according to God's word? I don't know what you're talking about. Do you tithe? Do you tithe? We've learned today, you know, the best thing to do in the church today is just run it like a business. Get people coming. Don't put any pressure on them. You know, don't ever let them feel kind of any icky feeling whatsoever. And people will give. People will give to whales. They'll give to save the animals. They'll give to this. They'll give to that. People will start throwing money. And if you've got enough people sitting in the house and they're throwing enough money, you'll be all right. But God's not looking for people to just throw money. He's looking for people whose finances are submitted to the lordship of Jesus Christ and the word of God. You know what the tithe means? It means a tenth. And we are taught in the Word of God the first 10% of everything I make before Uncle Sam gets a hold of it, before energy gets a hold of it, before Walmart gets a hold of it, before anybody else gets a hold of it, the first tenth, it doesn't even belong to me. I don't even have a right to manage it. It all belongs to God. I'm bought with a price. Everything I am, everything that I do, everything that I earn, everything that I possess, I've been bought with the blood of Jesus. It all belongs to him. And so God sets up this financial system so that the kingdom of God can be manifested. And I want to tell you, Franklin Graham ain't doing that crusade without the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's how we do what we do. It's how missions occur and all the things And I want to tell you in the church today, when you start preaching on tithe, tithing and giving and laying down your financial life before the Lord, people get sad and they walk away or they get mad and walk away. Can I get a witness in the house? Then we got those people that want to go Google and find out and blog this and blog that. And uh, some guy told them, you know, that tithing was under the law and no, we don't need to do that anymore. Well, that's not right. Because tithing happened before the law ever came to be through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We, we see it in the New Testament. Jesus said in Matthew 23, 23, he said, listen to me, you, you, you're passing by the way to your law, laws uh, or matters of the law and love and justice and mercy. You're, you're tithing down to your anise and cumin and the, and the spices in your garden. You know, he, he, said, he said, these you should have done without leaving these undone. Jesus taught us to tithe off the increase of our life. And you know what? I don't argue ever. I didn't preach about tithing and I don't know how long. I just feel like the Lord's speaking to my heart today about this. 
Our bills are met. You know, I'm not trying to <laughs> raise money. I'm, ta- I'm talking about your heart today. And you being a 10 out of 10 in everything in your life laid down. People say, you know what? With the New Testament, the New Testament, we're on the New Covenant. Okay, I don't have any problem with that. You know what they did in the New Testament? They sold their house, they sold their property, and they gave it all to the church. So if you want to go that route, but I do want to say this. Search your heart. Are your finances laid down before the Lord? And if you think in any way Pastor Kevin is trying to, you know, secure your money and get it, you can go to another church. But wherever you go, I promise you, your finances must be laid down at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not yours. It's all God's. Can I get a witness in the house? Do you serve? That's kind of a hot button too, you know. John 13, we read it Wednesday night, and we have many services, many volunteers, and we've got all that we need as far as I know. I'm not trying to solicit people. I want you to search your heart. So many people sitting in church today, and they just, just, just sitting there soaking up, and hear, but it's not, it's not God's word at all. It's not normal Christianity by any stretch of the imagination. Jesus girded his waist with a towel. He washed their feet. He said, you know what I'm doing to you? I'm the master. I'm the Lord. I'm, I, you know, that's, that's who I am. But, but, but I want you to understand that, that, that it is, I'm giving you an example of what you should do to one another. You humble yourself. You don't take the greatest place. You humble and you serve one another. In John 15, Jesus said, I give you a commandment, love one another. The Holy Spirit helps us understand what that means. In 1 John, he said, listen, love not in word and tongue. It's not just, hey, love you, brother. Love you. Text, love you. Love you, love you, love you. He said, love indeed. Love in what you do. The body of Christ ought to be able to say, you know, so-and-so, they serve me. They serve the body. We can never find enough activities and jobs for everybody in this building. There's no possibility. No church can. But it's an attitude of your heart that says, you know what? The church, the body of Christ, I lay down my life for it. I give my resources. I give my time. I give my everything. I invest everything that I am into the body of Christ. And that's why they're going to be shocked when Jesus said, hey, listen to me, the sheep, goat. <laughs> I was hungry. You gave me no food. I was thirsty. You gave me no drink. I was, you know, when? Lord? When you didn't do it to the least of these, my brethren, you wasn't doing it to me. <whistles> Can I get five amens? Do you serve? Are you sexually pure? Hot button. There's a Florida pastor right now that's been <laughs> raked over the coals. I've sent him an email. He ain't going to get my email. I'm just a seed of love and support in the church. I've been praying for the church, and he's sick of taking a stand, you know, against biblical, the Word of God standards. And, man, he's getting ripped apart. I want to tell you, we have to be at a place in our life, you know, that, that regardless of what persecution we face, we have to do it by the Word of God. Amen. And you know, we got those people in church, those gays, those gays, those gays, those gays. But we don't talk about premarital sex. We don't talk about that. We don't talk about pornography. When we talk about spiritual, I mean, Holy Spirit sexual purity, we don't talk about those things. 
We definitely don't talk about, hey, listen, if you get an unlawful divorce and you marry someone else, that you're committing adultery and you're causing that person to be in adultery as well. We don't preach those things because they're the 10th. And if I, I, if, if I have to deal with that, then there's too much pressure, there's too much condemnation. And you know what? Everybody in this room, we mess up somewhere. Can I get a witness in the house? But the question today is, what do you do when you do mess up? What do you do when the Word looks at you? Are you a, a peace seeker and a peacemaker in your life? And Jesus gave us a foundational teaching in Matthew 18 that when my brother sins against me, I don't go tell nobody. I don't go on the phone. I don't go online. I don't get in a conversation. I just go to my brother alone. And we talk about that thing and we try to work that thing out. And if that doesn't work, we bring two witnesses with us and we talk it out because we're making peace, not because we're trying to condemn one another, but we're, kind of, we're trying to walk in unity and if they don't hear those two witnesses, we tell it to the church. And if they don't hear the church, then we treat that person like a sinner and a tax collector. I've been pastoring a long time. I've seen a lot of things, heard a lot of things. And I want to tell you right now, that those foundational things of making peace and keeping unity in the body of Christ, we are not doing what the Word of God says. And it is my job to go, you know what, let me talk about the tent. Can I get a witness in the house? And then, you know, maybe you're, maybe, maybe, maybe you're just still in sin. Are you under the authority of the church? That's an ugly, ugly, blasphemous word in today's culture is authority. And we're all trying to throw off the establishment. And I get as mad at the democratic agenda as you do. And I, I'm, I'm as upset sometimes as police officer activities you are. Does the police need reform? Yes. Government needs reform, but I tell you what needs more reform than any of them is me and you in the church. And before you start casting blame somewhere else, understand judgment must begin in the house of the Lord. Are you under any authority? Because today, like the rich young ruler, Jesus stands his ground and Jesus speaks the truth to him and he walks away and he goes, you know, he goes find another Jesus. And we say, Jesus, that Jesus told me that I have to sell everything I have. Well, we don't have none of that here. There's no pressure here. You'll never be told to sell your stuff here. You don't need that. We don't need all that kind of control today. And I want to tell you, anybody who's a legitimate leader ain't looking to control nothing. In fact, they don't want to be in that position but God has placed him in that position. And every single one of us in this room today, we are called to submit to the authority of God's word. If you, if you don't know it and all of a sudden it's revealed to you, what do you do? That's how you know you're a believer. Peter royally messed up just like we do. He royally messed up. He's cursing. I don't know him. He hadn't prayed. He's not strong. He's not in the spirit. He blows it. He denies he even knows Jesus. He's following in the courtyard. He's warming himself by the fire of the enemy. And Jesus is arrested. And they're bringing Jesus through the courtyard. And all of a sudden, Peter looks up and Jesus looks at him. How do you know if you're a believer? What do you do when Jesus looks at you? 
What do you do when the Word of God looks at you and reveals your heart? What do you do? When Peter saw Jesus in the Word, he was looking in a mirror, and it caused him to see what kind of man he was. And I'm not looking for justification. I'm not looking for some teacher to itch my ears. I've blown it. And he went out and he wept bitterly. He had to get that conversion in his life so that he could. That wasn't the end. Jesus wasn't trying to condemn him. That wasn't the end because he was the keynote speaker on Pentecost. And he preached and 3,000 souls were saved. What do you do? I know I got the nine. I know we got the nine, but what is that area in our life that the Spirit of God is trying to touch in your life and say, you need to put that under my lordship as well? I love Isaiah 66. I says, the Lord, heaven is my throne, earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build me and where is the place of my rest? For all those things my hand has made and all those things exist because of me, saith the Lord. God is so grand. God is so big. God is so magnificent. God is so powerful. If you could get in a, in a spaceship and travel at the speed of light and travel for the next thousand years, you wouldn't get to the end of the galaxy. Not galaxy, universe. But there's nowhere I can go in the expanse of the universe that God's presence and power is not there. God is so big. But he says, on this one, I will look. Not to say, hey, Justin, how are you? Bless you, boy. Hey, Josh, I'm looking on you. Hey, no. Looking on you to do you good. Looking on you to manifest his kingdom in your life. Looking on you to give his mercy and his grace and his blessing. Give you the kingdom. But on this I will look on one who is poor and of a contrite spirit and one who uh, trembles at my word. When you hear me speak, it's not just a book. It's not just a religious relic thrown on your cabinet counter somewhere. But it's the truth. It's the word of God. And you tremble and you fear and you honor and you war to obey, and you wrestle to obey, and you cut your hand off if necessary. You pluck out your eye if necessary because you tremble at my word. That's what it means to be a believer. That's what it means to be a Christian. Not to do us harm, but to do us good. John 8, 31, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Say, say right there, if you abide in my word, if you make it your dwelling place, if you're living, to, to, you're, you're living your life by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, everything you do, whether it's raising your kids and whatever you do in life, you're filtering it through my word. 
You are my disciples indeed, and here's the promise, here's the blessing, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free, emphasizing you, not everybody, those who are submitted to the authority of God's Word in their life. First Thessalonians 2, what are we doing here this morning? Well, it's Sunday morning. I got me a donut. got me some coffee. I do it. Hey, 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 sit down, song. Oh, pretty song, pretty song. Hey, oh, this man, what's he doing? He's preaching. Oh, okay. You know what we're really supposed to be doing? Some of you know this. Look at it. First Thessalonians 2, for this reason, we also thank God without ceasing because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is the truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe and trust the word and submit it to the word. I wish I could do better. I don't know how I'm supposed to dress to be just the right spokesman for God. Pastor Lisa puts most of my clothes out, so whatever I am and whoever I am, that's her fault. I don't know how to preach. Do I preach loud and spit all over myself like I do at times? Do I get quiet and very, very gentle and sensitive in my language? And I, I don't know. How long do I preach? Do I preach 15 minutes or an hour and 15 minutes? What, I don't know. What do I do? I'm just a man. I'm flesh. I get mad at my wife sometimes, and I shouldn't. She gets mad at me sometimes, and she shouldn't. Sometimes I get in fear. Sometimes I get in worry. Sometimes I lose my temper. Sometimes I'm, I'm just a man, and you're just a man. This vessel doesn't matter. It, it matters in that I'm seeking to be a vessel of honor. I'm seeking to do that, and it never changes in my life. But it ain't the way I articulate something or the way I expound something, it is your job to get the word out of what's being said today and treat it like a word from God, not me. And when you do that, what does it do? It effectively works. It works in you. It changes you. It delivers you. It heals you. It protects you. But if it's just another book, Another day, another preacher, another whatever. It can do no mighty work in your life. Can I get a witness in the house today? James 1, let me give you one more. James 1, so get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. When you, listen, when you're scarfing down that donut, just say, God, get the evil out of me. Before you come in here, <laughs> you, you, you're sipping on your latte. Lord, wash all the filth out of me, all the filthy thinking, all the unbelief, all the stuff. Get it all out of me, all the unforgiveness, all the what, the this, the that, and something, something. Get all the fear. Get it all out of me because i got to go into service now, and I need to hear what you've got to say to my life. He said, so get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the what? It has the what? Say it real loud. It has the what? It has the what? I got feel. I got whatever. I'm, 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 it's just a carpenter. I just, the word really, it's just whatever, whatever. It, it's no power. It's the word. It's heaven's heaven expression. It's a miracle. We get to read it out loud. God put it in our hands by a miracle. 
It's the word. What does the word say? Speak to me, Lord. Power. Power to do what? Save your souls. Save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only deceiving, fooling yourself. And there's coming a day. I pastor a lot of people. There's coming a day when you don't, dis, you don't honor God's word. You'll get away with it for a while. But there's coming a day when it's going to be exposed to yourself and to everybody else. You are not living on the foundation of God's word. I want to tell you something. You know what your soul is? It's your mind, your will, your emotions. When you get all, you get all messed up and your thinking's not right and you don't feel good and you don't feel right and you're just struggling along, we all know that feeling. I don't need to ask for a show of hands. We all know it. I know it. Some of the greatest men of God, they knew it. Their soul gets off. Your soul gets off. You know what I need? I need my soul to get healed and whole. That's what that word saved. saved my, I need it whole. I need it delivered. I need it, I need it changed. And I want to tell you right now, if that, there's anything I could say from experience that you really need to take heed to, is that I don't care how hard I try. I don't care how much I know I need to think differently. I need to get myself intact. I need to get myself in order. I don't care how many times I, you know, have a pep talk with myself. Even, I can't even go back to things God spoke to me sometimes months or years ago. The only thing that would deliver my soul is a fresh word from God to my spirit. That's it. I'm telling you, that's it. I can put on worship music, you know, and we can, back in the day, we had a little you know, charismatic thing going on. I can do all that. I can jump around. I can have a flag. I can do whatever. But I'm telling you, until God speaks, I am, I'm, not, I'm not whole and I'm not healed. Job was messed up in his soul. He needed his soul to be saved. He's, last week, and, and nothing changed in his spirit. Nothing changed about his circumstances until God spoke, right? Paul had a thorn. He's messed up. He's frustrated with this thing in his life. It just won't move. Just won't move and just won't move. And he stayed messed up. His soul needed delivering and it didn't get delivered until he heard a word from God. Can I get a witness in the house? I wonder if you need a word from God in your life. I need a new job. I need a new spouse. I need a new location. I need a new house. I need a new state. I need a new church. I need a new pastor. I need a new, I need a new. You don't need a new nothing. What you need is a word from God. Amen. Ooh, she made me fall down on the anointing just now. That's what you need. It ain't your wife's fault. It's you, man. You need faith in your heart. All of a sudden, your wife so frustrates you or your husband so frustrates you and you just bicker and thumb, thumb, thumb. When you get in faith, all of a sudden, it's amazing how much more beautiful your wife is. How much more proud you are of your husband and what he does in your life. What you need is a word. Elijah, he's, man, he was really so, his soul was messed up, wasn't it? And let me tell you what God is, he's teaching, he taught Elijah and he's teaching us today through that story. You remember Elijah, his soul needs saving and he's not doing good. His, 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 whole, his whole narrative is false. It's just vain imaginations. Lies of the enemy are becoming his reality. And you know, the Lord said, 
the steel, remember, he wasn't in the wind, he wasn't in the earthquake, he wasn't in the fire. Because Elijah, I want you to understand, you're trying to live your life based upon the externals. And God wasn't in this, and God wasn't in that, and God wasn't in this. And you need to make application. That's the thing that's moving your life and moving your life and creating fear in your life and disappointment and hurt and hopelessness or whatever it might be. God's plan ain't in that for your life. And after the fire, what? A still, small voice. You know how Satan moves the masses? He moves the masses by the externals. Whether it's negative things or positive things. That's how he moves the masses. People that are religious, but they're not being led by the still, small voice. And all I know is about my little world. I don't know about the world out there, and I don't have any opinion about a lot of it. But in my life, I'm trying to live by the still, small voice. Because Jesus said this, hey, listen, there's a whole multitude, and they're, they're going down the wide, broad way. It's easy. There's no pressure on that road, and they think they're going in the right place, but the end there is destruction, and there's a little road, and the gate's narrow, and it's hard, and it's difficult, and there's only a few who find it. And he says, you know, then there's false prophets that's going to you know, enable people on the, on, the, on the, like sheep in wolf's clothing, and you'll know them by their fruits. What is the fruit, love? No, the fruit is their allegiance to the Word of God and submission to the Word of God. You'll know them by their fruit, the tree, a good tree produces good fruit, bad tree. He goes through all that. Then he says, he says, many will come to me in that day and say, Lord, Lord. First of all, he said, Whoever says, Lord, Lord, to me shall not enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father. It's not about, Lord, Lord, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord, but he that is doing the will of my Father, who is doing the word of God. Then he says, for many will come to me in that day and say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, cast out demons in thy name, done many mighty works in thy name? We are preaching you. We are baptizing in you. We are teaching about you. We are joining together about you. We are seeing the evidence of our relationship with you and that we are seeing deliverance and power and this and that and so forth and so on. And Jesus says the shocker. That should set us back on our heels. Oh, my God. He said, depart from me. You workers of lawlessness, I never knew you. Not that we got off. Not that we were right and we just kind of backslid a little bit, but if we're going to get it right, he said, I never knew you. I was never a part of any of that because your whole religious existence was based upon the externals that are moving you. But you wouldn't submit 100% to my word. Somebody, are you with me? Do you understand this? He's not out of, out of. And so the very next thing he says, therefore, knowing all this, he says, the wise man, he that hears my word and does them, he that hears my word and does it, 
should be likened to a wise man who built his, built his house, built his life upon the rock. The rains ascended, the floods came up, the wind blew and beat on the house, and it what? It did not fall. It stood. But he that hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, will liken him to a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rains came, the floods came up, the wind blew and built on the house, and it fell, and great was its fall. And I want you to make the connection between all that Jesus said. Christianity today is not pick and choose. It's not cafeteria style. It is God's word and being obedient to that word. Whether it's convenient, I preach it, the Bible says, whether it's in season or out of season, whether it's popular or not popular, you've got to preach the word. And listen to me, why preach the word? Because it sets you free. See, your flesh and the devil tells you it's it's bad, this is bad, this is bad. If I obey God, bad, bad, bad. No, 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 no. Obey God, good, 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 good. Somebody say amen. Amen. I've been tithing since I was 16 years old. You couldn't beat me with a stick and make me quit tithing because I've seen God do just what he said in Malachi 3. If Listen, don't rob me in the tithes. Don't steal from me. See if I won't prove me in this, if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour out blessing on you that you can't receive it. And I want to tell you, I've had open windows of heaven over my life since I was 16 years old because I believe the word. Put that next phrase on the screen. This, this, this is the punchline. This is... This, this is where I've been trying to build toward. When you are under the authority of God's word, you can begin to change things by the authority of God's word. Leave that up a minute. Meditate just a minute. When you are under the authority of God's word, you can begin to change things by the authority of God's word. You ever heard this? Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you lose on earth, lose in heaven. How many of you heard that before? Just raise your hand high. Seriously. Put your hands down. That's not exactly right. And when you, when you, when you look at some of your footnotes as, as in, in the Word, you, you'll see some. The Amplified does it perfect. Look, look, look at this. He says, Jesus, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Your responsibility. And whatever you bind... Declared to be improper and unlawful on earth must be what is already bound in heaven. That's a world of difference. And whatever you loose, declare lawful on earth, must be what is already loosed in heaven. What does that mean? Let me give you in two little examples. Listen very carefully. Remember Jesus in Luke 4, and he's getting tempted by the Satan before he can fulfill his ministry. He has to be tempted by Satan. And Satan, you know, and the Spirit of God led him there, by the way, and he had, had, had to be tested and proven to be righteous and submitted to God and his word. And so, so Satan goes, you know what? I know you're hungry. You've been fasting for 40 days. If you were really the Son of God, you can take that stone right there and you can make it bread. And Jesus said, it is written... Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now, Jesus could have called legions of angels to help him, but it ain't going to do no good in this situation because he's got to be found to be submitted to the word of God and under the authority of God's word. And so, Jesus shows him the kingdoms of the earth and says, hey, 
It's been given mine to give. It's been given to me to give. I'd give to anybody that I want. If you just bow down to me, I'd give it all. You don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to do all that stuff. You can just bow down right now. And Jesus said, it is written, you shall serve the Lord God only. Don't miss what's happening here. He takes him up on the lofty pinnacle. He said, you know, the word says that you can throw yourself down and the angels will come and take care of you. Psalm 91 says that. And he's misquoting the word or misapplying the word in his life. And Jesus said, for the third time, it is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Jesus was countering the temptation and the trial and the test by the word that was hidden in his heart. He was under the authority of God's word. And the deal is Satan could do nothing to him. Satan had to leave him because he was under the authority of God's word. Jesus was binding what was already bound in heaven. Jesus knew what was already bound in heaven. God's word is law. And if I'll just use that law, what I bind here on earth will be bound in heaven. He had to do it as a spirit-filled Faithful man of God. And it works the same for you. You bind, you loose. You know that story in Ezekiel chapter 37 when, when the Lord takes the prophet. I want the team to come on up. The Lord takes the prophet and he brings him in a valley of dry bones. And most of you know that story. And he makes him walk around those valley, those, those, that valley of dry bones and he said, man, they're very dry. I mean, they dead as dead can be. This is not good. And God said, can these bones live? The Lord said, or the prophet said, Lord, you know, as if I don't want to say no, and I don't want to say yes because I don't have faith yet, but you know what needs to happen here. And the Lord tells him, this is what I want you to do. I want you to prophesy to those bones and say, hear the word of the Lord. And all of a sudden, he began to prophesy over those bones and say, Oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God. And because he was a man under the authority of God's word, come on, the power was released. Amen. And the authority of God's word was being released. And all of a sudden, he heard a sound. Now, I want, I want, you, I want you to understand right now, when you begin to loose the word of God over your life. It's a process most of the time. Not going to happen overnight. Some things will. But I want to tell you, when you understand what I'm preaching today and you understand you have the key to your life. I thought I was going to sit around and God was going to do everything. No, he gives you the key. And you got to loose and you got to bind. But you don't just loose and bind anything you want. You find out what is already loosed in heaven. You find that promise. Come on, somebody. He's given us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these we might be partakers of the divine nature. How's God going to move in my life? I take the word of God and I present the word of God to my situation. Can I get a witness in the house? All of a sudden there was a sound. All of a sudden the bones started rattling. All of a sudden they started coming together. All of a sudden sinew and muscle and skin. There was no breath. What do I do now? There's no breath. Prophesy out of the breath, son of man. <laughs> Oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Breath, come into them. And all of a sudden, the breath came into that, those bones, and they became a great army. 
Now, what I want you to understand is those bones represent people. If you keep reading, people. People that had messed up. People that were not what they needed to be in life. And I want to tell you something. You can sit around in your life. How many of you need something to change in your life? Raise your hand real quick. Every one of us needs something to change. Now, remember this. Your greatest need may not be your greatest need. Don't forget that. But I'm going to tell you what we do. We sit around and we just play in the bones. Let me tell you what's going on in my life. My marriage this, my kids that. My finances is something else. Relationships are bad. Don't know if God loves me. We throw a clavicle up. We grab a femur and baton it up in the air. My life, my life. Listen very carefully. God will intervene and he'll teach you what I'm preaching today. It wasn't a perfect sermon or perfect message, but the truth of what I'm saying today, I promise you, you're going to need in your life. Because in those dry bones, God is saying, listen, you have everything you need to bring life. But you got to stop treating me like a carpenter. And you got to stop treating that miracle that you hold in your hand like a religious relic. This is a miracle. And you find what I have to say to you. And you get alone and you let me speak to your heart. And when you, when you hear what, you're say, what, what, what I'm saying to your heart, you meditate on that. And you chew it up. You do like a cow and you, you throw it up again and chew it on it some more. Come on. You, you just keep doing it. That's what meditate means. That doesn't mean to gross you out, but that's what meditate means in the Word. Keep chewing it. And I promise you, you listen to me. I'm, I'm 54. Yeah, 54. I believe everything I'm telling you today. I'm telling you, there is no hesitation in me whatsoever because I'm living it. I'm telling you, I've lived it. The change that occur in your life or when you hear a preacher or you sit with a, the word in your hand and, and it's not just words. It's not red letters. It's not black letters. It's God's word to you. It's living. It's powerful. Man, it's cutting down. I don't run when it cuts me and I'm bleeding. I know that God wants to heal me and make me better. I run to the word. Everybody says, I got a need. I got a need. I got a need. Jesus is walking in the villages, walking in the streets. He's going to be in Capernaum tomorrow. He's going to be in Galilee the day after that. I got a need. What are you going to do? Galilee, Jesus is going to be here today, right? He's, he's power. He's life. He's the word of life. Oh, my God. Here I am. I got my need. Here it is. Jesus, here I am. Jesus, Jesus, here I am. Zacchaeus, come down. Man, I'm going to your house today. I see some, I see some want to in your life. I see some I want to change in your life. Come down. I'm going to your house today. It's going to be good. If I'm, salvation has come to this house today. Zacchaeus could have said, you know what? That's just a carpenter. Just crazy people out there. I ain't going nowhere. I'm not going to go pursue anything. How many of you know his need doesn't get met? How many of you know that for a fact? His need doesn't get met unless you go to the person that's going to meet your need. You get up in the morning with these needs in your life. 
And the Bible's sitting right over there on a shelf somewhere. I got knees. It's the self-same thing as going, there ain't nothing in that book going to help me. I'm going to sit down in church and there ain't nothing that man going to tell me going to help me today. But then there's people that will go, you know what? That word, it's got something for me that's going to change my life. This is God's word. And man, if I'll just stand on that word, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to hear a noise. I'm going to hear a rattle. Something's going to change in my life. I don't know if it's going to take uh, uh, two minutes or two years or 20 years, but I'm going to tell you, I, I, I'm going to be changed by the power of the Word of God in my life. I'm not being religious today. Some of you work hard. Some of you get up 3 o'clock in the morning. I, I, God bless you and your schedule and so forth and so on. God bless you. And I'm not trying to put anything on you, but somehow, some way, at some point, somewhere, you have got to open your life to the Word. You come and hear the word. You don't treat it like it, it's from a man. You treat it like it's the word of God. I, I may not have all my T's crossed and all my I's dotted and my theological understanding may not be perfect and nobody's is. We see in a mirror darkly. But you better be able to chew the meat and spit out the bones and find where the word and the sustenance is because it's going to change your life. Can I get a witness in the house? Let's stand to our feet on this beautiful, sunshiny day. And the Word of God is powerful. It's living in my life. It's changing me. It's to, oh, God, I'm so thankful. So many times I shouldn't have made it out. How many of you know that? I shouldn't have made it out. But that still small voice walked me through that valley of the shadow of death. Oh, God, I should have failed right there. I messed up so bad. But I'm so glad you reached down once again and saved me and delivered me and healed me and helped me by your word. Can I get a witness in the house today? Come on, let's sing this song in worship today. Come on.
believe this. Come on, sing it from your heart. If my God is for me, then what have I to fear? And I will not deny Him the glory that is here. Oh, will heaven not prevail? Will sorrows not be loosed? Will spirits not be silent? did Wednesday night, we join ourselves together to declare that we want to be a church that serves itself and serves one another and serves a community. And today I just feel right now that the Lord's asking us, are you going to be a church under the authority of God's word? Come what may in this world. We're going to be a people under the authority of God's word. If that's you, just raise your hands high today. And let God see our hands. And I want to tell you something. I don't care what it costs you, what it costs me. Do it in love. Speak the truth in love, but buy the truth and don't sell it. And I promise you, God's going to reward you, reward us, and we're going to be a church that brings glory to God in the coming decades. Can I get a witness in the house today? Listen, if you're here today and you don't know the Lord, God's got a word for you. Listen, Romans 3.10, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none righteous, no, not one. Verse 23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, that ain't good. For the wages of sin is death. Oh, but here it is, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord, who went to the cross for our sins. Romans 5, 8, but God showed his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for you and me. Can I get a witness in the house today? What do I do? I know I'm a sinner. I know I want Jesus. I want to receive him into my life. Here is the word of God. Not Kevin, not Eagle Heights, not a denomination. Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved under the authority of God's word. Get religious notions. Get Satan's voice out of your life. Turn your heart to Jesus. Receive your forgiveness and receive the gift of eternal life. And all God's people said, and when you do that, we want to baptize you. Sign up and let us know. God bless you. Have a wonderful day in the Lord.